Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. And then we have uh, another encouragement from this young lady here who she feels like God is saying something to and we want to give a chance to hear. Is that all right? So would you give your attention as we stay in this spirit of worship to them to come for a brief moment and just say what they feel like God is saying to us in this moment. Come on in. The water's fine. Don't stay in a safe spot where, uh, where the bank's where you've always been like that. Come on a little deeper where you're not in control. I don't mean that you're out of control. I just mean that God's running things. I feel like God is, is saying for us to come out a little bit deeper. In the past, you've always waited to feel empowered before you've stepped out. No more. He wants us to come a little bit deeper and to step out, even if we don't feel like we are capable of stepping out there. God's in charge. Listen to him. this song and worship I want to know you more how many of you want to know him more we're going to continue in that just for another stanza after we hear the word so last night I went and saw the Lion King I don't know if any of you are familiar with the story when Simba is in the gorge and a stampede comes and his father dies and he's there and he's crying out and he's feeling sorrowful. So his uncle Scar comes in and says, it's all your fault, how could you? Nobody is going to accept you and nobody's going to forgive you. You need to run away and never come back. So he runs away and he thinks that everything is good and he's living this great life. And then he's reminded of his past and he continues to try to run from it. And then he sees his father in the clouds and he reminds him of who he is and he says remember who you are and so then Simba goes back and he takes back his life and he tells the enemy tells Scar you have no power here you lied and I am the king and this is my life and so he gets rid of him and he comes back to where he belongs and so then I was brought to a bible verse to end this thought and it's in Romans, it's Romans 8, 38 and 39, and it's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. And I've got the message version, and it says, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. So just know that no matter what you have done, where you have gone, how long it's taken you to get back to where you need to be. Jesus loves you, and he is always here to embrace you. Let's do this just one more moment, and then we'll continue on with our service.
Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy towards us. Now as we hear and contemplate from this worship, we open ourselves to you. Lord, have your way. You know the hearts of your people. You know their longings. And we come to you taking the risk of going further than we ever have before. Saying yes to you. Now heal, deliver, and set free as it is your will to do. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated at this time. I just really want to say uh, to Ashley and Chris, it's really good that you'll let God use you. And I know how much courage it takes when you feel God moving on your heart and there's something you feel like you need to do. The step you take of faith, God will reward that. So thank you for bringing those messages forward. And it's good to know God empowers every believer to testify in the gospel. And this is the best place to practice it. Amen. Yes. This is the best place to practice it. How many of you love the Lord today? Yeah. Amen. Would you do me a favor and just help me to worship him in praise for a moment? Just give him a hand, praise, and a shout like you love him. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We know that our pastor is out today, him and his family. I'm very happy to be able to stand before you today to talk with you in the Word of God again today. I'd like to have you involved as much as possible. I promise I won't put you on the spot today. I just want you to, if you hear something and you agree, it witnesses to everyone else that I'm speaking truth when you say amen, okay? Now, that doesn't mean it seals it for them, but it helps them to know he might be on to something. All right. So if you don't mind, as we talk through this sermon today, would you participate as much as you can? And I'm asking if you have your Bibles to kind of follow along with us. I realize that we're going to say things perhaps that uh, you might have to go back and review them. Right. And I don't know how you take notes, but however you take notes, I encourage you to go back and review it. Tony don't have all the answers. Tony is going to bring some things to you out of the scripture for you to consider. All right. So as you look in the Word today, we're going to talk a little bit. We've been talking with Pastor Steve from uh, the thought of the gospel influence, right? And I want to continue on that thought, the gospel influence. But I want to add something to that as a subtitle. I want to say the gospel influence, the power to hear and believe. And as a subtitle, it's a question. So think about the question for a moment. What do you do when church doesn't work? Just think about it. I met a young man yesterday, his name is Parker, and he's probably about 20 years old. And he was telling me his faith journey, how he grew up in church, and he started in church, and he served in church, but one day, he just stopped going. And I asked him, Parker, tell me, after being faithful in church and serving and doing everything you could and being a part of the church and working in the ministries, what in the world could make you stop going? Parker said, well, to be honest with you, I just felt like it wasn't working for me. He said, I was going to church and I was doing all the things I needed to do, but I did not see a benefit in my life. 
I thought to myself and wondered, I wonder how many Christians feel that way and are afraid to say it. I said, Parker, who did you talk to about that? He said, no one, understandably so, because if you tell people in church you're feeling this way, they're going to come down on you, especially if you're like me. You've been in church. You grew up in church. Your parents in church. You're serving in church. You're working in church. You know church. You've been there. You've been in the Bible studies and the Sunday schools, and you tell people, I don't get it. And I said, Parker, man, I really admire your courage for being able to say that to me and being able to work through that and still come back. I want to challenge you today. I don't know if that's you. I don't know if it's ever been you, but I do know it's some people. What do you do when church doesn't work? I want you to look at scripture with me. First, I want to look at Romans chapter 10. I want to give you a brief answer to the question, and then we'll expound on it some more. What do you do when church doesn't work? You hear the gospel. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense yet. You hear the gospel. The gospel is designed by God to awaken in everyone who's searching for something a desire to know him. And when a person who's searching for God, that desire awakens, the gospel is designed to create faith in them. You can tell when a person has faith. Because when they hear the message of the gospel, they take an action. The action is always appropriate to their faith. That's why, Ashley, I really appreciate you coming forward. Because when you felt like you heard God, you took an appropriate action. That's what faith is. It's an action appropriate to what I heard God say. Does that make any sense? I'm putting that out as the answer so you'll know where we're going with this and you won't feel bad. As we walk through it, okay? So, Romans chapter 10, verse number 13 and 14. I want you to listen to the scripture and read it along with me. Is that okay? Now, so that we all on the same version, it's on the screen. If you would read it out loud for me, all right? You ready? Let's read. For everyone. And now I want you to think about this scripture a little differently this time. The, the scripture asks you a couple of logical questions. It says, first, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. Then it asks you the logic question. How can they call, though? On whom they have not believed. That's something for the church to think about. You want people to be saved. I do too. But the only way to be saved is that they call on the name of the Lord. Is that right? You and I get upset with people who are not walking right and they're not saved. But you don't know have they heard and have they believed on the name of the Lord. And the scripture says, how will they call? on whom they have not believed, and how will they believe on whom they have not heard? And how will they hear unless someone... That's preaching. That's preaching. That's preaching. The Bible says, I think this was uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. God has chosen the foolishness 
of preaching to save them that believe. I noticed in the scripture there was no other means of salvation. There's no other way to be saved. There must be a preacher who declares the word, tells them about it. They must hear it. They must believe it. Then they will be saved. We complain about our world. I wonder, are you preaching? You think I'm a preacher. I'm just a guy. I'm just like you. I'm a guy who understands the gospel and know the world needs it. Is that right? Why would I take the treasure of the gospel in all its power and keep it to myself? I hold there are people in church who are doing everything they can to get God to act on their life. And the reason they don't have any results is because they have not believed the gospel. I'm going to show it to you in scripture here. Would you turn with me to John chapter 5? I don't claim to know if this is the real reason John put these things in the scripture. I'm going to share with you what I see when I read the scriptures. And I want you to read it so you can see if you see the same thing or something different. I'm open for coffee if you see something different. Okay? You ready? John chapter 5 is a story that has a lot of miraculous demonstration in it. But it's about a certain man. And the first thing I want you to notice is it's about a certain man. It's not about the crowd. It's about a certain man. Now, it's funny, there's no other definition of this guy. What makes him stick out in the crowd? What makes him special? I don't know. But the scripture, John identifies there was a certain man. What I want you to get from that is you could be that certain person. Whatever God wants to do today, he's not trying to do it for the crowd. He's trying to do it for someone, a certain one. He didn't determine who the certain was, and I can't either. I'm hoping there's a certain one in the crowd today. Chapter 5 of John, start at verse 1. Would you help me read? All right, someone read verse 1 and 2 for me. Don't be shy. After this, there was a great, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the chief of the pool, which is called in Bethesda, having five coaches. So there's a pool in Bethesda, and around the pool are five porches, covered porches. You getting the picture? This is the scene. Verse 3, someone for me. You see the scene? On the porches was a group of sick and lame people. What were they there for? They were there because they needed healing. Is that right? I think there are people who come to church because they have a need. Is that right? And if church is not meeting your need, something's wrong. You should not come to church like this guy and never get your need met. There was a porch. A bunch of lame people were there. I won't get so much into that, but it's easy to feel all right when you're around other people in the same condition. It takes somebody special when you're surrounded by that same condition everywhere you go to decide, I don't want to be here. And I'm hoping you are that certain person. You can't judge your faith by what everybody else is doing. You can't judge it by how everybody else is handling it. You could come to church every Sunday and be on the porch. And everybody else on the porch would tell you this is okay. It's what we got. 
But Chris's word says someone is being called to go a little further, do something different. Verse 4 says, someone, please, don't be shy. Okay, verse 5, someone else. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. That's him right there. How did they identify him? Certain man. Don't tell you anything else. Don't matter how tall you are or what you look like or where you come from. And he's been dealing with his infirmity how long? 38 years. That's a long time, ain't it? Now, we get the idea that most of this 38 years he's been coming to this porch. Why was he coming? Because they knew something. They knew something. You're right to come to church because you know something's supposed to happen. That's right. That's good. The ideal, though, is something is supposed to happen, right? And if it don't happen today, you don't keep going back and saying, maybe it wasn't my time. God is no respect of persons. Your time is when you're ready. Come on, somebody. 38 years and never getting healed. John not only tells this story that I want to draw into your consideration, but a couple of stories prior to this, he tells you about the wine being turned into, the water being turned into wine, right? He tells you about the woman at the well, right? And he tells you about Nicodemus. All of these people had a similar problem. What they were doing was not working. The wedding sets the stage that if you're doing everything the way it's supposed to and you're even planning, it could still come up short. Nicodemus sets the stage to understand that you think you need more Bible knowledge or maybe a position in church. But Nicodemus, when he comes to Jesus by night, proves that won't cut it either. You can still come up short. Your Bible knowledge, that ain't what does it. It helps you. Your position in church can leave you like Parker. You just working, but your life ain't changing. Gets to the woman at the well, and it's easy for us to think we see her problem because she had too many husbands. That wasn't her problem. Her problem was she was unfulfilled. She had a faith in something. She believed that they were the original Jews and they were the right ones, but her life wasn't demonstrating any of that. So personally, she was still unfulfilled. The men was just a way to try to deal with it. You understand that? You can come to church every Sunday and still feel unfulfilled. You can believe something and still feel unfulfilled. Wouldn't it be terrible, y'all, together with me? We all in the same boat. Wouldn't it be terrible to come to church every Sunday and still feel empty, not satisfied? Or to feel like it's your knowledge that's going to buy you something or your church position? I'm encouraging you, don't, don't settle for that. There is something else. It's the gospel that God has done. The first miracle challenges the traditional approach that doing everything right is what it takes. Nicodemus challenged the traditional approach that learning my Bible better is what it takes. The woman at the well challenges the traditional approach that knowing and believing something hard enough is what it takes. And this man and his situation proves that thinking in a religiously competitive mindset, trying to be the best one, the first one, the outstanding Christian, is not what works either. Trying to be first in line, he even complains. You know, 
I've been trying for 38 years to get healed, and I only have one problem. I don't have anybody to help me. I don't care how many people you have to help you. That won't do it either. Whether or not you have some people to help you, their methods won't bring you complete satisfaction. Does that make any sense? I said to you earlier, the gospel message of God is designed to awaken faith in a person who's searching for God, searching for something. They might not even know it's God, but they got a hunger and a desire in them. You understand that? There's a scripture in Psalms, I think it's 42, where David says, deep calls unto deep. The scripture can be used in multiple ways. Spurgeon did an excellent sermon on that topic. But one of the main things the scripture aligns to is that the deep desire and longing you have inside of you is calling to the depth of God's love. The deeper your problem and pain the deeper his grace, the deeper your frustration and lack of fulfillment, the deeper he'll put in you a well of living water. But if you shallow, because you don't desire nothing, you won't find it here. And that's a problem because the gospel doesn't work for folks who don't want anything. No matter if you're saved or not, God will put a desire in you. Come on, y'all with me? So if you're losing your desire for whatever it is, I'm not naming the desire. If you don't have a desire for something more right now, it don't matter how long you've been saved, church ain't working. Church ain't working. That woman who heard Jesus at the well got up, ran, and told everybody. Is that right? If you no longer have something to tell, church ain't working. Here I want you to know, religion and the gospel are not the same. The gospel message is not religion. It's not a set of rituals that you're supposed to do and carry out so God can bless you. Got that? It's not a set of worship ceremonies that you have to put in the certain order in order for God to bless you. The gospel is not a religious requirement. You understand that? You can't go to church enough. You can't read enough Bible for God to bless you. It doesn't work like that. And if that's the way you're approaching church, that's why church doesn't work. You with me? Church works because of the gospel message. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation for who? Everyone who believes. Certain of us will believe. Everybody won't. But to everyone that will, you can have your life changed. You can get revved up again. You can get plugged back in. You can be on fire. And I don't mean on fire like jumping around and shouting. That's not on fire. If that was the case, rodeo clowns would be on fire. I mean excited about your life such that you want to tell people and share it with people so that you can see the work of God even when it looks chaotic in the world around you. Does that make sense? What do you do when church doesn't work? The gospel message is God's message to humankind designed to meet each person where they are at whatever level they're on. Jesus says, to the blind is sight, to the brokenhearted is healing, to the captives is deliverance. The gospel message may sound different to some folks, but it's still God's message saying, wherever you're experiencing that deeper need, I'm ready to meet it. I've paid to meet it.
Here in this story, as well as in the other references I made, Jesus comes to this man and he asks him a very straight question. And I'm posing the question to you in whatever form it needs to take. Do you want to be made whole? It's not a church question. It's individual. You have to be able to look at your life and have an understanding of your deepest desire. The man said, I've been coming. It seems to work for everybody except me. Other folks are getting it. I'm not. Jesus just looks at him and said, listen, do you want to be made whole? Whatever the man said, Jesus didn't answer that. I would have counseled with him. Well, sit down, son. Let me just talk to you about how this works. Jesus never did that. One of the things John's gospel is trying to show, chapter 1 all the way through like chapter 6, is the power of God to instantaneously change your life. Well, that takes a lot of courage just to say that. Somebody going to test me. Well, I've been here for 38 years. I ain't got nothing to do with that. Instantaneously. And I know what happens. You and I want to think through it. We want to reason it. We want to understand it. The gospel doesn't require understanding. It doesn't require you to reason it. It requires hearing it and believing it. What does it require me to hear? Which part of it? Whatever part you need. You need healing. God heals. You don't even have to explain the rest of it. How do I know? This man, Jesus says to him, well, rise, take up your bed and walk. Right after the man explained, I've been here for 38 years. I've tried everything. It still ain't working. I don't know what to do. Jesus didn't say anything else but rise, take up your bed and walk. The man goes back to church with his bed. Some deacon says, hey, you can't carry that bed today. It's Sunday. You can't let church folk judge you. That man said, listen, I don't know the rules. I don't even know who told me to take up my bed and walk. He couldn't explain Jesus. All he could say is, that man told me to take it up and walk, and here I am. They said, who told you that? He said, I don't know. Ask him. By what authority tell you that? I don't know. Ask him. Man, can't you see me walking if that ain't enough for you? Some folk want to make you explain your faith. There's no explanation to real faith. It comes suddenly. Huh? Ain't that what he told Nicodemus? It's like the wind. It comes and goes as it will, and you don't know where it comes and where it's going. Suddenly. Ain't that what he did at the miracle of Canaan? They put the water in the jars, and suddenly it was wine. When you believe the gospel, you will understand that the last parts of your life can be much better than the first. Suddenly. When you believe the gospel, you will understand that even though you've messed up and things have not went the way you wanted them to go, you can change and start over suddenly. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Even though you've been doing what you've been doing and it ain't working and it ain't right and it's wrong, you're drawing water every day trying to feel fulfilled. Suddenly, Jesus can change your life. Come on, somebody. Suddenly, you want an explanation. Drop that. That's religion. You want to be able to explain it to people. Drop that. That's religion. The gospel is the message of God to hurting humanity that I provided an answer. And if you believe me, in the moment you believe me, you shall be saved. No question. You're just up walking. I want you to know something. This is just for note's sake. That man walking was inadequate. 
Salvation don't make you adequate. It makes it possible. 38 years of on your bed, you're not socially apt. You don't know how to get along with people. You don't know how to take full responsibility for yourself. That's why after you get saved, you become a disciple. But listen, no matter how inadequate you might feel, you ought to be excited about the fact you're walking. You got a chance to learn it. You can change it. It can be different. Listen, the Bible is very clear, and I'm going to get ready to close with this. I'm hoping I got certain folks in here because I don't have to challenge you. The gospel message should challenge you. And I said to you earlier, if you hear the gospel, everyone will know it because your appropriate action would testify. You with me? There's no way to hear the gospel if you hear it and remain the same. Maybe you got it. That's good. But there's somebody in your circle that doesn't have it. They got religion. Stop being mad at them. Next week, we'll talk about that. Stop being mad at them because they don't look saved. Until you learn how to apply the gospel, you can't help them because you're going to tell them religious stuff. Well, if you want to get your life straight, what you need to do is put down that drink. Ain't nothing in the book about that. I'm sorry, that ain't in there. I'll have coffee with you later on this week, but it ain't in there, right? Well, first you got to stop this and get this together because God won't dwell in an unclean temple, and you got to make sure you do this. Yeah, their heart is already doing all of that stuff. Inadequately, yes, but you don't need to say that. You don't have to say that. The fact that they're searching means God's already saying that. You don't have to say that. That's Pharisaic. You with me? Right now, the message of God is wherever you are in your life, whatever you're going through, I don't have to know that. You know that. The Bible is trying to indicate to you and I, when deep calls to deep, that that thing that's making you unsatisfied in your life, God is doing that because he would that all men be saved. And man, I hope one of these days I get to talk to you about trouble. Trouble is your friend. Trouble is your best friend. If it wasn't for trouble, some of us wouldn't even be here today. Trouble saves me. Trouble. I was standing next to trouble one day, looked him in the eyes and started crying. I don't want to be here. But if it wasn't for trouble, sitting there saying, I'm next. You're mine. You with me? Trouble is God's way of taking you deeper. Otherwise, you and I'll be shallow. We think it's about the job and the people and the money and whatever else. But God will get in your bed and stir you up so you will know how to call him. And if you don't know him to call, God will make you cry at the coffee shop till some Christian come around and see you and say, what's on your heart? And you won't know how to explain it. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. You won't know how to explain it. But that's because God is causing you to call. How many remember the Hebrew children in slavery in Egypt? They did not write God a letter. They did not send God an email. They did not call God. God chose Moses while they were doing whatever they had to do. And God said, I have heard the cry of my children. I have decided to go down and save them. Listen, you got to understand when people are in a place where they need God. They don't know his name. They're just hurting. They're just hurting. They're just hurting. Your need for God is at the center of your current pain, your current frustration, your current dissatisfaction. Your sense of longing is where the voice of God starts. I'm telling you, the gospel of Jesus Christ is here to change things for you instantly. I don't have nothing else. I'm about to give you an invitation. You don't have to do nothing for us 
So please get that out your head. I don't care if you come up here or do whatever. I don't care. I'm just saying the invitation out loud. Okay? You with me? I don't know what you need. It might not be solving a problem. That ain't all God does. God does more than solve problems. Man, I long to see Christians who don't have any needs. They have desires and ambitions. God is not just answering needs. He wants to focus and no, that's all right, God. I ain't worried about sickness and trouble. I want to do something. Is that right? Get it off your head that God only works with hurting people, broken people. That's just how you start. You understand me? God help me. It's just how you start. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their selfish ways, then what I hear from heaven. The condition of the world is waiting on the church. You are the light of the world. A city that's set up on a hill and cannot be hid. The world can't get any better. It's never going to get better. But the church is sent here to preserve the ones who would be saved. You're not here to save the world. You're here to preach the gospel to those who would believe. You understand that? You won't solve world hunger. Stop trying. Support people who are hungry as a way to get the gospel to them. You won't stop the pain in your neighbor's house. It's okay. God has not lost control. He's not. I'm not afraid of what's going on in the world. There's a God bigger than that. He has not some power. over every principality and ruler and authority under the earth. There is nothing too hard for God. Nothing. Nothing. If God promised you he's going to heal you, he's going to heal you. Matter of fact, he already has. You just got to believe it enough to walk in it. You can let the pain of your daily existence speak to you louder than the gospel. And your fate's in your hands. But the Bible says to everyone that believes, if you ask anything, he'll do it. He'll do it. He didn't say if and as long as. He said, I'll do it. Anything you ask in my name, believe it. I think he mean it. I think he mean every word he said and there's no explanation necessary because I can take him at his word. If that was me promising you, I'd have said, tell me, Tony, what you mean by that? Because I'm fallible and I'm limited. But you got an unlimited God ready to break every barrier in your life. 
and set you on a course to be a world changer, a difference maker. You can keep fighting your problems or you can tell them, God, I think you got that all under control and I'm ready for you to do something with me and through me. That's the only way the church is going to make a difference. So with your heads bowed, I'm going to say just one prayer. I don't care if you move here or you move later or you move somewhere else. Just if the gospel message, you know in your own heart if God is stirring you to anything. I don't have to know it. But if it is something you just want to move and witness on right here along with a crowd of witnesses, just come up here and let's pray. You don't have to do that. But I'm inviting you if you feel like that's the step I want to make. Right? Father in heaven, we repent first of all for trying to make anything else work. Life can be so confusing and frustrating that we get caught up into trying all kinds of things. And sometimes we see our problems as so much different than what we hear in church. Help us to know that you've included everything in your plan for us. You said just like you take your birds and flowers, how much more would you care for us? I pray for those who feel outside and alone. Bring them closer. I pray for those who are brokenhearted and they've tried trust and it's been betrayed. Heal their broken heart. I pray for those, God, who feel inadequate and insufficient and awkward. Make them acceptable. Help them to know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made in your sight. I pray for those who are wrestling with the destructions of our bodies as we live here in the earth. Where you have decided to heal, to be glorified, we receive the healing. But if God, you decide to leave me with that limp, we still walk forward in power. We submit our will to yours. Your will is more powerful. You said as high as the heavens is above the earth. So is your ways and our ways. And right now, Father, as the depth of our own longing cries within us, speak to a certain person the power of the gospel message that you so love the world that you demonstrated it that you decided to live among us and empower us through your Holy Spirit, that you promised never to leave us or forsake us, that you are with us even until the end, that if we believe in you, we should never perish, that, Lord, no weapon formed against us can prosper, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Speak right now, Holy Spirit. The message power of the gospel and right now father as people contemplate moving in faith show yourself strong and mighty in Jesus name if you feel like you want to move come I'm just going to stand here if you don't feel like you want to move here move at home it's okay I just want you to have free reign
Father, inspire faith. We take action on what you're speaking right now in our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me for a moment? How you feel? All right? You're good? You're going to take this message? We're going to do something with it? This is a powerful church. I really believe that. God wants to do something awesome. I really believe that. I'm hoping you believe it. And you'll ask God for courage to share the gospel with people when you go out. But take that step to reignite you, right? That you burn with desire for God. God, I want to do something for you. Okay? So if you're believing with me, just repeat with me, okay? Just simple prayer. God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the anointing over this body and this assembly. Now, Father, I go forward knowing the power of the gospel. Thank you that I hear it, I believe it, and I act on it. Now help me to proclaim it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand praise for me. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast.